Well, good morning again. It's fantastic to be here with you. I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about paradise. I started thinking and looking about what paradise might look like. I want to show you a couple pictures. For some of you, this is what paradise might look like. Oh, yeah, some of you are like, sandy beach, give me the ocean, give me the palm trees. I just want to feel the cool breeze coming off the ocean. Uh, maybe it looks a little bit like this. Get your uh, little hut in the shade and just, uh, you know, get to sip on something cool. Oh, man, can you feel it? I'm there already. It's beautiful. Now, for some of you, that doesn't sound like paradise. You think, oh, man, I'm going to get sand everywhere. You're probably a mom. You're, 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 you're probably thinking, man, my, the minute my kids go out there, that's not paradise. That is just tragedy waiting to happen. I mean, so many things could go wrong. They're going to bring sand in, and it's going to be all over the car. It's going to be all over them. I'm going to have to get it out of my washing machine. So you're thinking, this is definitely not paradise. So maybe, maybe for some of you, the next, next slide here, maybe this is paradise. Just that mountain lake. Oh, can you smell it? You just woke up early in the morning, and it is just crisp out there, and the lake is, there's not a... A breath of wind. Oh, man. Are you there? Does it feel like paradise? Go to the next slide. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you got up early in the morning. You decided to hike up. And you're standing there. And you're just looking over all of God's creation. And you're going, yeah. This is what it's all about. The grandeur of God has just... Uh, awoken your senses and you're thinking, this is paradise. Now, some of you are thinking, that's not paradise because I have to get my hiking shoes on and then I'm going to get blisters and it's going to be hot and I have to wear a backpack. And, and if I have to wear a backpack, then I got to put stuff in it and it's going to make my, my shoulder straps sore and I'm going to be sore the next day. So, so, so maybe, maybe for some of you, this is paradise. <laughs> Kinnick Stadium. I have a really good friend. I think he would say that this is, this is close to paradise. He, this is no lie. I promise you, I will give you his phone number if you doubt me. He named his firstborn son Kinnick because this is how close to paradise. Now, for some of you who are, who are a little closer to Jesus, this is, this is where paradise might be. There we go. <laughs> Memorial Stadium in Lincoln. There we go. A little bit of paradise on earth. Yeah. Just had to throw that one in there. I know where I am. I know I'm in Iowa. That's okay. You guys will all convert. It's, it's part of God's plan, I think. Okay, you know, you know I'm kidding, right? Okay, it's... Paradise, paradise. Yeah. My nephew's name is Tom Osborne. Oh, I love it. I love it. Now, all joking aside, right? 
We all have pictures of, of what maybe paradise is like. And maybe we have different pictures of, of paradise. But, but in the end, uh, we need to recognize that paradise isn't something we find on earth, is it? In fact, Scripture, uh, when it talks about paradise, the few times that it mentions paradise, it really is talking about our presence with God. It is a place where the righteous are. Uh, some would say it's not equal with heaven because uh, we don't actually have resurrected bodies yet, but it is a presence with the Lord. Paradise. And we all want that. You're here this morning because uh, there's part of you that wants a bit of paradise. Uh, and it has nothing to do uh, with what football team you, you root for or where you enjoy taking your vacations or, or, or what kind of scenes you enjoy taking in. It has everything to do uh, with us being in the presence of God. And so the question really for all of us in the room is, well, who gets to enjoy paradise? Uh, who gets the blessing of being able to sit on uh, the shore of the crystal sea with the Lord? Who gets that? Well, as we finish up our series called Great Reversal, as we have gone through the Gospel of Luke, and we have been surprised and shocked, and, uh, and we have begun to actually begin to, to, to uh, uh, just expect the unexpected, where we anticipate uh, something shocking happening, some, some surprise coming upon us, uh, we recognize that Jesus, in a shocking way, uh, responds to our question in regards to who in the world gets paradise. Who gets to enjoy that? Who gets to be there? Jesus, we find this morning, is with his friends. His face is toward the cross. He knows what his mission is. He's just finished a meal with his disciples, uh, and, and he's given them some instruction, but, but now, <coughs> excuse me, but now he has to go to the cross. And we find that there's two groups of people that Jesus encounters along this last little bit of his journey. On this last leg, he encounters two types of people. There's the antagonists. There's this one who seems like they have arrived already and they antagonize Jesus as he goes toward the cross. And there are the acceptors. There are those who, who see Jesus and see something more than the antagonist sees, who see uh, that Jesus has something to offer. And it's in looking at these two different groups, the antagonist and, and the acceptor, that we find out the answer to our question in regards to, to who gets paradise. And they teach us something about the nature of paradise and who gets to go there. So will you join me, please, in Luke chapter 22? Luke chapter 22. If you don't have a Bible, uh, please reach out and grab one in front of you. There's those pew Bibles. If you want to turn to page 736, you can join me in Luke chapter 22.
In the antagonist, we find a familiar voice that we know that we have heard before calling on Jesus to try and prove himself. Uh, We find in the antagonist group, this group uh, that comes around Jesus in this last little bit of his journey, a voice that Jesus had at the very beginning of his ministry as as he was tempted by Satan to prove himself and his identity. Join me in verse 63. Join me in verse 63. The antagonists. The men who were guarding Jesus began mocking and beating him. They blindfolded him and demanded, prophesy, who hit you? And they said many other insulting things to him. Uh, There is Jesus. Uh, He is uh, absolutely... uh, concrete in his mission. He he knows what he was sent to the world to do. He was sent so that he might seek and save the lost, and it has to include the cross. At the very end of his ministry, he finds voices that are like the one uh, that Satan had at the beginning of his ministry. Hey, if you're Jesus, if you're really the Messiah, if you're really the Son of God, then why don't you show yourself? You remember those words that Satan would tell Jesus early on in his ministry as he went out into the desert? He was tempted there, and the temptation was, you know, if you're really the Son of God, why don't you, why don't you tell that stone to become bread? Why don't you throw yourself off the temple? I'll give you everything. All you have to do is just worship me. We find a similar voice by the antagonist at the end of Jesus' ministry as they say, Hey, prophesy! Show yourself! Prove it! Are you really the Son of God? March over into chapter 23. Look at verse 11. Jesus has been carried around. He's been manhandled. And now he's before Herod. Verse 11, then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him. They dressed him in an elegant robe and they sent him back to Pilate. That day Herod and Pilate became friends. Before this, they had been enemies. Again, Jesus is mocked. It's not enough just to to beat his person. They want to beat his character Jump down a few verses. Look at verse 35. The people, they stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. And the soldiers also came up and they mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, well, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Do you hear it? Prove it, Jesus. You have all these claims about being the king of the Jews, the Savior. Uh, You're the Messiah. You're the one who was sent from God. Uh, You say you have all of this power. And now at the beginning and the end of his ministry, we see the same voice, the antagonist saying, show me. And it's not just from those 
off the cross. In fact, if you look in verse 39, we find that there's one that hangs next to Jesus who has the similar voice. 39, one of the criminals who hung their whole hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. And it's right here where we, quite frankly, if we're reading this for the first time, we expect Jesus to do something. I enjoy superhero movies. I enjoy... Uh, some of the times when in the movie or in the comic book, it seems like all the chips are down. Like things that couldn't get any worse, and then suddenly someone says something, and it's like, oh man, here it comes. You can just feel it, right? You're sitting there. Oh, oh, he's going to show them who he really is. One of the most recent characters to come to light in our culture is the Incredible Hulk. The Incredible Hulk is this guy, he's taken some potion, but you don't want to make him angry. Because when you make him angry, he turns into this ginormous green Hulk, the monster. And in the process, oftentimes, when he's in the middle of a fight or a battle, he will look at his opponent and say, you don't really want to make me angry. Because he's warning them, you don't want any part of the Hulk. And we anticipate that from Jesus here. Jesus is being mocked. Jesus is being insulted. He's being sneered at. He's being spat upon. And, and quite frankly, if you and I had the kind of power that Jesus had, we would show them, wouldn't we? Oh, let me show you who I am. Let me show you how powerful I am. Let me show you the legions of angels at my disposal. I snap my fingers and it's going to happen. You almost, uh, you almost think Jesus from the cross is going to say something like, you don't want to make me angry. And yet this is great reversal, isn't it? The one who has all the power in the universe. The one who was there at the very beginning of all of creation. The one who, who snapped his fingers and there was light and there was land and there was vegetation and there were animals and there were people. The one who could say to the blind man, you are now healed. The one who could say... To the woman who had lost her only son, he is now alive. The one who said to Lazarus, come out. The one who had all the power in their universe restrains his power. And this is great reversal, isn't it? 
And after all of this, we can say, aren't we glad? Because at the end of the story, we recognize that we have to have Jesus on the cross, not off of it. If Jesus doesn't go to the cross, if He decides not to restrain His power, it means that you and I don't have covering for what the Bible calls sin. It's that rebellion from God that we have to have a covering for. The $10 church term that we use sometime is atonement. We needed a perfect sacrifice, and the only sacrifice that was good enough was Jesus. If He decides to come off of the cross, if He decides to demonstrate His power in any other way, we can't have paradise. And so the antagonists teach us something about Jesus who desires for all of his people to enjoy paradise, to enjoy presence with him, to enjoy the place of righteousness with him forever. He does something that we don't expect. He restrains his power. And instead of showing them, by coming off the cross, he shows them by staying on it. Paradise is because Jesus hung on the cross. Despite what the antagonists would say. Now the antagonists teach us that Jesus hangs on the cross, that he restrains his power. But the acceptors teach us something about paradise too. As Jesus goes to the cross, we recognize uh, in this, uh, this story, in these couple of chapters, chapter 22 and 23, that there are those along the way that Jesus encounters that accept him. There's the women. There's this uh, group of, of women who uh, continually follow Jesus. If you let the story go a little longer, uh, they're the ones who, who prepare uh, the burial clothes, the spices for Jesus, uh, they're the ones who go uh, after the cross and seek him out. You might say maybe Simon of Cyrene mentioned here in Luke's gospel, the one who would carry the cross of Jesus. We get this uh, kind of uh, uniqueness in Luke when he mentions that there was a soldier at the cross after Jesus has died. And we hear his witness, surely this man was the Son of God. But there's one character that, that just strikes the heart of reversal. Look with me in verse 39 once again. There's, there's two criminals hanging next to Jesus. One of them's an antagonist, but the other's an acceptor. One of the criminals who hung, they hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? Don't you fear God? Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for we're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. 
And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. Wait a minute. The criminal? Uh, we don't know what exactly he has done to, to have to be hanging on a cross next to Jesus, but, but crucifixion, you understand, was reserved for the most heinous of crimes, for the most heinous of criminals. And on one side and on the other of Jesus, you find represented, represented in these two groups, the antagonist and the acceptor. And the acceptor teaches us something about the glorious grace of Jesus. The one who deserves death gets life. And the one who deserves life gets death. Recognize what he does. He seeks God's mercy. He recognizes who he is. He says of, his, of himself, we are punished justly for we're getting what our deeds deserve. You want to be an acceptor? You have to come to a place where you look over at Jesus and you go, I recognize what my deeds deserve. I deserve death. Throughout the Bible, this is what our rebellion from God deserves. Our sin deserves death. And yet it's Jesus uh, coming with this criminal who shows us that when we're willing to come to Jesus and say, I, I know what I deserve, but seeking mercy, that Jesus is gracious. You see, he recognizes who Jesus is. He's not mocking Jesus. He knows the kind of kingdom power that Jesus has, and he doesn't have to come off the cross to do it. He says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I know who you are. Will you remember me? Aren't all of us there? Aren't all of us in need of a recognition of who we are and who God is? I thought of several songs today, or not today, but this week, that get at this idea that you and I can experience the grace of God, that we can know real forgiveness. We don't know what this uh, thief, we don't know uh, what this, uh, this guy has, has been accused of entirely, but we, we know that it must have been bad. And some of you are actually are sitting there thinking, well, I know what my deeds deserve, but I couldn't possibly be forgiven. But Jesus says to this man, paradise is awaiting you today. Paradise. 
because you've recognized who you are and who I am. And I want to give you paradise. The songs that I thought of this week, one is by Hawk Nelson. It's called Oceans. As I read it earlier today, I couldn't help thinking of my desperate need for forgiveness, for God's grace, for His reversal. If you want to know how far love can go, just how deep, just how wide, if you want to see how much you mean to me, look at my hands, look at my side. If you could count the times I'd say you are forgiven, it's more than the drops in the ocean. What a picture. You want to know how much you can be forgiven? Uh, Take a little droplet. You know, in your science class, when you would have to put a little uh, a specimen on a little glass file and then look at it under a microscope, take that. Go down to the ocean. It doesn't matter which one. Go to the Atlantic, go to the Pacific, go down to the Gulf of Mexico. Take your little droplet with you. And then take a bucket. Take down your little droplet and fill it up and then go over to your bucket and count how many drops it takes to fill the bucket. And then maybe you'll begin to understand just how much God is willing to forgive. There's another song. It's by David Crowder. Come as you are. Come out of sadness from wherever you've been. Come brokenhearted, let rescue begin. Come find your mercy, O sinner, come kneel. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. So lay down your burdens, lay down your shame. All who are broken, lift up your face. O wanderer, come home. You're not too far, so lay down your hurt. Lay down your heart, come as you are. There's hope for the hopeless. And all those who've strayed, come sit at the table. Come taste the grace. There's rest for the weary, rest that endures. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't cure. The great reversal is paradise. And paradise is reached for all the acceptors. Who is it that enjoys paradise? It's those who accept Jesus. Accept that he's the Messiah. Accept that he died on the cross that we might be forgiven of sin. Accepts that he has the power to forgive your sin and mine. Church, I don't know where you've come and maybe you've simply needed a reminder this morning uh, that Jesus as Savior has done a great thing and a great reversal in your own life uh, that you one day will get to enjoy paradise and presence. In fact, you know the presence now and you anticipate the presence later. But there may be some of you this morning that have come in and maybe you've asked yourself some questions. Maybe you thought you'll just put it off until later. But you haven't yet said of yourself, I'm an acceptor. 
And so if that's you this morning, man, would you, would you please, would you please, as the, the band comes up, as they begin to play, would you come forward? Hey, the baptistry's heated up, okay? Like you can make a decision today and say, you know what, I want to know what this great reversal is really all about. I want to experience forgiveness and grace. I want to know that paradise is coming. Because paradise is reached for those who are acceptors. Stand with me, would you? And we're going to sing. Gracious God, I love you. And uh, Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray for all of us that we will recognize and know wherever we are on the spectrum, whether we've been Christians for uh, 40 years, Lord, I pray that we will live out this this presence that we have with you. And Lord, if we have just thought about it, if we're just holding back for some reason, I, Lord, I pray that you would do a, an extraordinary work on our lives and we will respond recognizing the grace that comes through your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, may we know who we are and know who you are. And may we know that because of who you are, we have life. Thank you for paradise. We pray all this in Jesus' name.